0: Hello everyone. My name is Catherine Swage. I'm vice chair of PELCUS, and uh, I'd like to welcome everyone to uh, yet another session of the PELCUS Virtual National Conference. Um, this national conference is part of the PELCUS United Through Heritage virtual event series, and um, I'd like to start off by uh, introducing our panelists. Uh, And today we have uh, three panelists currently with us. Uh, The first panelist is uh, Norbert Duarte from Merced, uh, California. He is a first-generation Portuguese-American raised in the central San Joaquin Valley where there's a large portion or population of Azorean immigrants of various generations. Uh, He grew up as part of a festej, following in his father's footsteps and eventually becoming uh, more involved in leadership capacities. And in 2016, he was president of the St. Anthony Celebration in Pismo Beach, California. Uh, He continues to be involved and uh, has basically seen firsthand how our festivals and celebrations are evolving for better or for worse. Our next panelist is Zachary Ramos from uh, Gustine, California. He's the owner of the Youth Literacy and Education Center uh, in the, the Gustine Traveling Library, which helps him keep up to date on the younger generation and basically his expertise uh, in community involvement is built on the work with youth that helps bring a younger perspective for the people on issues uh, such as events and festivals and whether they'll continue in the future. Uh, so his goal is to see how we can get more younger generations involved and get them more active in the celebrations again. Uh, Danny Vasconcelos is from Peabody, Massachusetts. He teaches general music at the K through five level and is basically a philharmonic legend across the East Coast. Uh, This year alone, he's uh, been involved with at least four different Portuguese philharmonics uh, in Rhode Island, Jersey, Massachusetts, et cetera, and along with performing and producing over 25 carnival dances uh, in his spare time, and as a more modern twist to his community involvement, he's on the board of the Boston Portuguese Festival as well as a stage manager for the International Portuguese Music Awards. So welcome, gentlemen, and thank you for joining us today uh, for this Will Traditional Celebrations Continue panel. We hope to have a really productive discussion. Just a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, the United Through Heritage virtual event series started this summer and it's made possible by FLAB, the Fundación Americana para desenvolvimento, and and uh, as well as a bunch of our sponsors that we're very, very uh, grateful to have uh, their support. We're going to show a brief video about Flad, who is our title sponsor for this series.
1: Levar os portugueses mais longe, ser uma ponte entre Portugal e os Estados Unidos da América. Esta é a missão da Fundação Luz Americana para o Desenvolvimento. A Flad nasceu em 1985 na sequência do Acordo das Lajes e por aqui passaram até hoje milhares de pessoas e ideias que ajudámos a transformar em realidade. Promovemos a partilha de conhecimento e experiências através de bolsas de estudo, estágios, prémios e conferências, unindo os dois lados do Atlântico. Trabalhamos diretamente com a comunidade portuguesa nos Estados Unidos. Queremos contribuir para que o papel dos luso-americanos seja cada vez mais forte e para que as origens portuguesas sejam continuamente celebradas. Nesta ligação atlântica surgem, claro, os Açores pela sua importância geoestratégica de segurança e defesa, científica e cultural, são um ponto essencial na atividade da FLAD. Somos ciência, educação, arte e relações transatlânticas. Há 36 anos a contribuir para o desenvolvimento de Portugal e dos portugueses. That's
0: great uh, uh, information about FLAD. again our title sponsor, and we'd also like to thank our, uh, our, our other sponsors and supporters, uh, namely Corbeirão. Um, as well as Portugalia Marketplace, and our remaining sponsors, UMass Lowell, Anchor Construction, Atlantis Agency, The Navigator Company, and MDVIP. So, gentlemen. Oh, and we have our fourth panelist, Catherine Raphael. How are you, Catherine? Uh, Catherine's with us today from Danbury, Connecticut. She has extensive involvement with the Sons of Portugal Band, a non-profit organization uh, affiliated with the Portuguese Cultural Center in Danbury. The organization is over 80 years old, uh, and it's comprised of concert musicians as well as a marching band. So, welcome, Catherine, uh, Hi. to our panel. Sorry today. for the
2: delay. And- start. <laughs> no
0: worries. No worries. Um, so, let's uh, do a quick uh, run around the room. I'm going to ask uh, everyone for some brief input on how they feel. Um, traditional celebrations, or even or philharmonics uh, have been going, uh, both pre-COVID and the effects of COVID. And I know that a lot of the involvement uh, has kind of dropped off due to various reasons, and it's not just pandemic-related, and that's what we're here to discuss today. So we're gonna start with um, Danny Vasconcelos, uh, because he does have a, a heart out in about a half an hour or so. Uh, Danny, if you could give us a little bit of insight based on your years of experience uh, as to uh, how things have gone, how they continue to go, and and what issues you see affecting uh, the continuation of such traditions.
3: Well, thank you, Catherine. I want first. I want to say it's a pleasure to be here with all of you. It, uh, it's an honor to be on this panel. Um, with the monikers, uh it's a it's it's a wee bit of a complicated uh, situation with many of the Philharmonicas. Because of as the time goes by, um, even pre-COVID, uh, a lot of the feeder programs, the banned schools, had ceased to exist for all sorts of different reasons: a lack of involvement, lack of students, lack of funding. And once that started to happen, uh, there was no longer a feeder pool, a direct feeding pool, feeder pool to the feeder monikers. That and as people got older, and playing in a in a Portuguese band is 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 not easy, you know. It's a big commitment. There's a, it's a physically uh, strenuous on the body, especially you know on a, a hot Sunday marching down the street. It could be pretty tough. And as people get older, it gets harder for them. And if we don't have the young, the youth to replace them, it, the bands begin to shrink. And that's what we d- definitely saw uh, across the board. Um, lots. Uh, the majority of bands began, began to shrink, where in the 80s and 90s, you know, it was common to see a band uh, 40, 50, 60 here on the East Coast. Um, nowadays, uh, 25, 30 uh, on any given Sunday. With the coming of the pandemic, uh, we saw a lot of interesting things happen at least things that I observed. One of the most amazing things I saw uh, was musicians from other bands going in and helping each other. That was amazing. Because prior to that, uh, many for many, many, many years, um, the bands took more of an isolationist uh, view of things. It's either you you played for the love of the jacket, um, but it was your jacket, you didn't go. One musician usually didn't go play with another band. There were some of us, like myself, and a number of uh, and a handful of other ones who, who kind of thumbed their nose at those old ways, and we'd go play with whoever called us. Especially if you know special events like going to Portugal or playing at the Kennedy Center uh, in Washington D.C. or doing a tour somewhere or an important concert, they'd call some of us uh, to you know reinforce the ranks. But during the pandemic, a uh, post-pandemic or well, this last, last summer, many musicians, many, probably a dozen, maybe uh, more, maybe two dozen musicians would uh, jump from band to band, helping out, the band, you know, different bands so that they could at least fulfill their requirement or fulfill their most important job of the year, uh, whether it be a, a procession and a concert or just the concert. And I think that really, uh, at least that really helped a lot of musicians and the bands uh, deal with the covid and deal with the isolation of the time i think it was really important you know and i think it was a, a great thing that they did whether that kind of camaraderie and will continue post-covid especially when all the bands start up again that i don't know but it was uh, i would like to thank all the musicians who did that i thought that was absolutely spectacular so will the numbers ever increase to what we saw in the 80s and 90s of bands with 60, and, I don't think so. Unless the band schools start up again, then we'll start seeing an increase in uh, musicians. Uh, you know, uh, in, in my thesis when I wrote it on on the Monarch, uh the it, it came out that you know the biggest theme uh, on comments was without e- the education programs, the bands won't grow. So that's uh you know that's it for, for on that side for me.
0: Right. That's I mean it's it's interesting because we're just we're here to discuss basically uh you know like a drop off in involvement which is a large mm-hmm. factor in whether why this question as to whether or not mm-hmm. these things will continue will exist. But um you know the the camaraderie that doesn't normally exist uh, right. or did not pre pandemic is is something that came to be which is actually you know a, a positive factor.
3: So yeah, that's,
0: ban- that's interesting basically. to note. Are yeah. pretty
3: isolationist. You know, I know in Villa Franca there were two uh, bands that literally had their uh, there's uh, their clubs side by side, and they were bitter rivals. Yeah. And if one cro- whole family would get upset, one cross the street to the other band, and woof, things got heated. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So it's good. It's good to see that at least you know there's some there's some good uh, uh, it, within the community. Just you know, mm-hmm. being a, just a little bit more helpful to one another. Um, so that's an interesting perspective. We're going to move now to, um, to Norbert. Uh, and I know that you're more on the, the FESTA side. Uh, and we've all, you know, we all have FESTAs, West Coast, East Coast. They're a little bit different sometimes in vibe and feel. Um, but we all kind of suffer from the same issues as the years go on, which is a lack of involvement either in the leadership capacity or um, just from actual attendance. And people being interested enough to to want to participate uh, in in the more festive portion, right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, what is your take on uh, how things have changed? And uh, you know, uh, has has there been any positive spin, such as the collaboration between you know band members that used to be bitter rivals?
4: Right. Well, first off, again, thanks for having me on this panel as well and part of the discussion. Um, pretty much everything you've touched on is what we're seeing. So, when I look back from the time that I can remember as a young kid, first generation, that's all we knew. That's all my parents knew. Plus it was a, a sense of community where you felt comfortable going to that local celebration and that's how it continued on. Then as we, getting older, you know, a, a teenager or a person going into school, you start making, asking yourself different questions, you know, um, you know the speaking solely portuguese does that make a difference or not so if you're questioning your own background do you stay involved in the celebration like you were going to um, looking also at where in california there's a lot of celebrations that are really dwindling if not now non-existent those were started from earlier generations even so it's almost like that's what we're going to see progressing one generation to the next and go forward so I remember going where friends of ours like, "I'll see you at the hall," and then now it's more like, "Hey, you're gonna to go to the festa." It's like, "No, my kids have this, and I'm doing this." Um, someone even brought it up uh, over the weekend, which um, didn't come to mind for me is the religious aspect. You know, the celebrations, the festas, the halls—they are based on some sort of a, a religious background, whether it's with songs, with or with saints. Um, some, some folks, for whatever reason, don't relate to that anymore or on with, with uh, the Catholic religion, which is what we're based on. So there's those challenges. Um, prior to COVID, you were seeing a dwindling population and dwindling participation, um, both in leadership as well as just in participants. In leadership, there's a struggle because you have that fine line where Um, younger generations want to come in, want to be a part of it, but then there's always that pushback of saying, well, what do you know? And as opposed to, well, here's what you need to know, here's how we should progress forward. I've also seen where the younger generation comes in, uh, balls are blazing where this needs to happen now or it's gonna end and then you lose lose all all sort of control. I mean, I even see that where kids, uh, you know, a generation younger than i am they want to come in they have great ideas but they don't want to listen to their, okay here's how we need to move forward and progress then i can hand you the reins and go you know it's not always you know automatic post pre-pandemic we didn't know what to expect i mean pretty much for 2020 there was nothing there was no fests anywhere across the board even earlier this year um our fests started in about may uh, late april or may and many still chose not to have the big celebrations. They had more of the, you know, a drive-through, sopa pickup, or, or just a small mass with the immediate committee and the Queens participating. Now we're seeing more involvement, but a lot of us, we just didn't know what to expect. At my fest in Pismo Beach, we were thought, well, do we plan for what it was before, or do we scale back, or do we just, go in blind and see what happens and which what we end up doing. And yeah, we had lower participation because there's still a lot of folks where they probably had a fear of going out still. Um, didn't wanna be a part of a large a large group in a, in a small environment, if you would. Um, or maybe they just saw it as like, okay, that's it, you know, I'm not coming back, but it's, it's still early to tell on that. Um, in fact, this coming weekend is gonna be the last fest of the year. And um, you know there's a lot of participation expected, but we'll see how that progresses into 2022. So
0: Interesting. It's interesting that you know uh, we speak about that there's a lack of involvement, but there's always that one that one facet, which is, you know, along the years, whether it be 30 years ago or three years ago, there's always there's always some people that want to get involved, be they right. the youth or even just new people who have moved to the area. And um sometimes the clickish aspect of uh, the, the the leadership uh sometimes it prevents people from it, it turns them off right uh, so yeah that it, we've it, always done it that way kind it of. it turns them
4: off and also too we uh, you know there's a lot of a lot of things going on so when I was a kid, there was no peewee baseballs there was no pop Warner there was no football you know it was pretty much you went to school you went to your farm to work or if there was some involvement in school, usually it was like a band or a sport, but it was limited. Now there's so much going on. And part of it sometimes is it's a balancing act where like here on the West Coast, we, our celebrations, we have young ladies that represent as queens for the celebrations. A lot of them won't participate because they can commit to the involvement that's required because, well, I have track or I'm going to college or, um, you know, I just don't want to, because my mom's making me do it, that kind of thing um say with the younger guys where you know oh i can come in today on sunday but then i can't help on monday to to clean up and then on the older generations some of us are having our time trying like okay well maybe we should balance it out hey can you help on this date all right then we can do this on that date you know and break it up but it's it's a learning curve i mean even when i came on for my being president it was simple things like why aren't we on social media Why don't we take credit cards? You know, why aren't we going into the business community of of Pismo Beach and saying, Hi, you guys hike up your hotel rates by 75% because of us. So help us out here. You know, we'll keep, we'll we'll scratch our backs, we're going to scratch yours. So it's little things like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's quite interesting the whole, you know, unwillingness to change. Sometimes it's not just like a lack of people, but sometimes it's literally an unwillingness to change or move with the times. Right. Um, We're going to move now to uh, to Zachary, because you have a, a, a yet another different perspective, uh, given your involvement uh, with the Traveling Library and things of that nature uh, in Christine. Uh So if you want to maybe just give us a little bit of your perspective as to what has changed, because I, I know that you have the Traveling Library, but then you're also um, you're also speaking from a perspective of, you know, having young family members that you would like to maintain involved and interested in these traditional celebrations. Oh, you're on mute. You're on mute. 19 months later. <laughs> I, okay. I do that at least three times a week. Don't worry about it. It's fine.
5: <laughs> Thank you for telling me that I completely forgotten that I had I have something buzzing in the background, so that's why I had it. Um, we are so running the traveling library here in Gustine the past five years now. Every time the fester comes in, we try the team and I try to get very involved with the youth on trying to promote again. We're an education organization try to help out with getting the kids that come in, even if they're coming in from afar. Just information on things that can help them out, education wise, or giving them books. And in the meantime, while doing that, we also get to talk to the parents and talk to the kids about the importance of the festas, the importance of the, uh, the ceremonies and the events. And it's always been a great experience to see everybody come in because growing up as a kid, this is one of the The Festa was one of my favorite things to go to with my father. And he really helped instill in me why it's great to come out and see everything, listen to the singers, uh, join in on the walks, going to church. And pretty much it's thanks to him that I felt very involved, incorporated in what was going on. But one of the things that I've noticed over the years, especially even before COVID, was that we had a a slight, not a slight, but a major decline in youth involvement. Because I know that was mentioned before in a previous conversation we all had before this uh, today is that some of the things that kind of fall into play is there's cliques, there's organizations that kind of don't want the younger ones to come in because they're afraid that they're going to want to shift everything in another direction. And one of the things that I can very much clear up is that the younger generation doesn't want to just jump in and erase the whole past, everything that happened. They wanna learn, they wanna take part in what's going on to keep these things going. It's just this fear on a large scale level across the country is that, oh, I saw something on Fox or CNN that these kids are trying to change things. One of the biggest things that I hear, especially if I sit on uh, the school board here in Gustine is that I have parents come up to me saying how they're worried that kids are trying to change things all over. And the real case is that if these organizations in the Portuguese community were willing to open the door or lay a stand the hand, these kids they notice are just wanting to help keep things going. Another issue that I've noticed with being a part of everything locally here is that when I was a kid, there was so many different things for everybody. We had rides, we had uh, Games for everyone to participate in. It was a big family event, the Festa. Over the years, we've had a decline in activities or things to keep everybody at it after the main parts of the ceremonies were completed. Everybody would go home and eat with their families and then not come back until later. When I was a kid, there were so many things to keep you there all day. I would be there from in the morning for the cow parade. To at night watching the singers and the dancers perform, to now all that's really left is the kids come with their parents, the teens come with their parents, and after everything's done, they go home with their friends and they don't come back until the bullfights. And that's just a common thing that's going on. If I'm 17 to 20 to 20, I'm not gonna stay. Just to watch my uncles drink it's that's the only thing that's really left now for us to do I know that there would be a friend of mine he'd be hanging out with us we'd be eating soapish and he'd get a call saying oh it's time for you to come back not because anything had happened but all oh, you have to come back because you have to pick up Uncle Manuel and Uncle John because it's time to go home it's But I'm hoping that with all of us coming together and how everybody else said, thank you for having this, because with all of us being here, hopefully we can all come together to work on getting these events and ceremonies even bigger and better and getting the youth more involved as well. Because, again, once the older generation has gone, if we don't educate people my age and younger, how are we going to be able to know what these traditions mean. What are we gonna, how are we gonna know how to keep these things going if we're not passed on the information from the older generation? So hopefully with all of us being here, we can get this going and thank you again for having me a part of this.
0: Look at me, 19 months later, talking on mute. That's a great perspective. Um, uh, so Catherine, uh, do you feel that the camaraderie that Danny referenced earlier uh, is is something that that has happened in your area uh, since you're you're so heavily involved with the Sons of Portugal, which is, a you know, a 80 years. That's impressive. Um, yeah, so I've most actually. Organizations to do that.
2: <laughs> I was actually feeling everyone's pain because um, not only have I been the president on and off for seven years of the Sons of Portugal Folklore Dance Group, which is currently dormant. Um, I have also been the president of the Portuguese Cultural Center, which is one of the largest Portuguese cultural centers in the area in the Northeast, I would like to imagine actually, with um, over 600 members annually. And there's a marching band, there's a soccer team, there's a hall for rentals, a bar for games, a, um, a, like I said, a folklore dance group. We actually have four folklore dance groups in town um, and surrounding cities, there's probably another dozen nearby. Um I hear everyone's same thing that we're going through you know we lack interest pe- you know the younger generation wanting to participate we lack leadership it's a struggle to find someone to come and step forward the reason why my dance group is dormant because I wanted to get married and have kids and I needed a break after you know I've been in the group since I was 5 years old I was a part of the board of directors at the cultural center for eight years. I had the special events department for a few years and then I exited after being president. So you can imagine that was probably the burnout, so to speak. Um, When you're involved at that level, you're just done and you need a break. Um, I then picked up the folklore dance group from a a member who had passed away, made a promise to keep the group going. Um, And then I needed a break and I had no one to pass the torch to. So that's a common theme I hear of everyone um, not, not having anybody to want to step up and take over. And I try, you know, I was in my 20s when I first started any leadership role. And I hear Zachary's point too. It's hard to get people my age. to look at you and be like, you're doing what? You're like, why are you burdening yourself? Like, just go to the party like everyone else. Um, I started to, in my last couple of years of involvement to try to bring it back old school, because sometimes when you overcomplicate things, it makes it overwhelming for people to want to get involved. And you hear a lot of the old schoolers and I talked to a lot of people who had been a part of it when they were in their twenties and some of them were 90 years old When you talk to them and the things that had gotten lost was like dancing, you know, like they would meet their dates at the dances that they have. So having more of those or, um, the folklore dance group and the marching bands, a lot of them lacked education. People just taking the time to teach them. So I started hosting, you know, before I practice, we started having, let's learn how to step, let's learn the beat, let's learn how to play an instrument. Um, The only area I haven't really been involved in is the marching bands. I did try to help when I was president, try to connect the president with like local schools and trying to find you know, people already in marching bands that didn't realize maybe they could be a part of the Portuguese marching band. But honestly, it's a well-oiled machine here in Danbury and the leadership in that band seemed to keep it going despite COVID and all of the things um, that are affecting everyone else. I think that we need unity. Um, I think that one thing that I have, lacked or needed in the previous years of experience is a go to an education fund, so to speak. You know, um, when I took over the group, I had to do so much homework. I had to talk to previous leaders and dance um, instructors and go, what are these outfits? Um, Where do they come from? We are the sons of Portugal. So we represent North to South. It was like a history lesson. And then I was like, I don't want anybody to ever have to go through this again. And I started taking notes and I wrote down You know, uh, this is where this outfit comes from with a photograph, but it takes a lot of time. And one of the biggest reasons why I stepped away for so many years was time and money. So once you start getting involved, um, it really takes a lot of time out of your personal life. And it takes a lot of money because you have to attend these festivals and it's a nonprofit. So you have to pay your way. You make sure you attend all the functions that you're hosting. um, Then you got to buy dresses and do your hair and do all, all, all the things involved, right? Um, And when you, as far as the dance group goes, when you plan functions, or you go to attend other functions, you have to get a bus. You have to make sure all the minors have their parents coming with them. It's a huge feat, you know, it's a huge undertaking. Um, I was hoping that there used to be, and I don't recall who hosted it or helped provide the information. There should be like a location where we can all go and go, I need an accordion player. Who out there plays the accordion and is in my region? Um, you know who wants to be a part of the Rancho and doesn't realize we need guys. We need men. We always need guys. <laughs> the dance groups are lacking men. I don't know what the issue is. Um, sometimes it's a popularity thing. If I can get one guy in the door, he brings a bunch of friends. Um, but our our issue has been instruments, like getting somebody to play instruments and keeping people interested, taking them places. In other words, you know, attending parades and having a goal. Like, what are we practicing for in the end? Um, and then the other thing is education. You know, just documenting please? history and being able to have access to so these are all the issues in our area. Why don't we all, you know, help each other out? We'll do a folklore festival yeah. or have a a day where we can teach each other how to do something.
0: Uh, sounds, That's yeah. I uh, I'll I'll very briefly get into um, how you and I are kind of connected in the same ways. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it over to Danny because I know he has a heart out and i just wanted to get a very quick uh perspective from you as to bullet pointed ideas as to how to fix issues that are currently occurring with regards to lack of involvement
3: some um first of all education number 1 you know we we got we have to build these feeder programs to mm-hmm. uh, the youth involved um mm-hmm. Also, another another thing that we really need to see is we have to look at what the goal of the organization is. Um, I was in a, a very interesting conversation not too long ago where um where you know uh, one of the local clubs uh you know spent a lot of you know they they open all the time and and you know now <laughs> they, and they were open all the time and they weren't making any any money
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know and then uh, they now open. For their events and for hall rentals, they,
1: uh, they are,
3: and they're making a profit. You know, they're very they're solvent. Um, so, but you know, in my mind, hey, I'm hey, like, hey. you're absolutely you're you're making money, but are you making a difference? You know, is is this a you know is it a uh, is it a, uh, a social club or is it now a business? You know, and and I'm not a business person, so. I, you know, many times I, I stay out of out of that realm because I'm not a businessman. I'm a musician, you know, and, and an educator, you know. Th- so th- that, you know, we have to see what the goal is. Also, like especially in the fiddle and I imagine in the choirs and any of the uh, performing groups, education. We got to create feeder programs to get the young, to get students involved. It doesn't matter what the age of the student is. You know, we always keep on going back to the youth, the youth, the youth. Yes, yes, hopefully, you know, we, we want to go to the youth. But sometimes older people, adults, might want to learn, too. You know, we got to you know, we got to br- attract students through these education programs, you know, to help this. A third part, and this is, this is where things get really complicated, is language. We have to preserve the language. I, I'm, listen, I'm not a wonderful Portuguese speaker. I'll be the first one to, I get by, I have a very historian accent. Uh, I sound like I just came off the farm in Graciosa. It really <laughs> boils through, but whatever the dialect is and how good or how bad your pronunciations are, you got to push the language. The language is what unifies us. You know, and uh, Juan Caixinha, who's the head of uh, literature uh, in this area, you know, and he he really works really hard to to get that across, you know, uh, you know some sometimes sometimes the events I've been to where it's very language based, uh, especially with the academics, you know, some of that stuff is is not the best. It's not sorry, it's really good, but it's it's hard for young people who have limited language. Skills in Portuguese to enjoy it. So, you know, sometimes those that's tough too. But yeah, language, preserving the language, education, and what is the goal of the organization? Those are the three things I would say we need, really need to be figured out, need to be thought thoroughly through, and need to improve. You know, if, those are my, if I would say those three bullet points, and I imagine that could work across the festish, that can work across uh the Hanshus, the philmonics um and many of the, and you know the DESs and all and all those things like why are we doing this what is our purpose all right i i love you everyone i love everyone thank you so much i have to thank go because there's going to be a first grade teacher who's going to be very angry with me because i'm already late <laughs> all great. right everyone thank you so much you thank all have you. a wonderful day bum dia des obrigado yes yeah
0: thank you danny for joining us um yeah that's a that's a good perspective and i think i i, I do kind of agree with um uh those th- those those three things being very very important uh just a, a two-sentence sidebar i was a female vice president of a cultural organization in my early 20s after years and years of my father being involved right and um i would said this previously in a in a, in a prep session where. Uh, the whole older generation, not really taking the younger generation seriously because we're just always seen as kids, independent of how old we are. I totally get that perspective because I was always Smovitor's daughter, um, right? And it was like, oh, you're that's nice. That's nice. You're, you're vice president. Like, it's not. I was also director of a, a, a now defunct uh, folklore group, a group, the only Azorian uh, one in the tri-state area. And so it's, a, it's quite a shame um, because there aren't a lot of Azorean people in the area that I grew up in, uh, and I was I was super proud to be able to not only be a member, a uh, dancer, but then eventually the director. But you know, it just it happened to fall within that time frame where a lot of the kids were leaving high school, going into college, getting involved in other things, and so I totally understand, Catherine, uh, your pain uh, with uh, not being able to get people to show up to practices. You know, we tried. Uh, weekday nights. And because we figured, you know, once you're 18, 19, you don't want to come on a Friday night. Um, and neither seemed to work. And then to your point, you have to take, you know, time off of part-time jobs on the weekends when you're in school. And the only time you can work is the weekends to go do performances in, you know, Massachusetts or Canada or wherever. So I totally, I feel your pain, uh, with that. And, um, Norbert and Zachary, I totally feel your pain with the whole involvement as a younger person, uh, or I felt it because I'm no longer I'm no longer part of that younger <laughs> that younger group. But um, I feel your pain with the whole older generation. Uh, you know, we, we want to come in guns blazing, and maybe sometimes our delivery is not the best, right? Where we're just like we need to do this and this and this completely differently. Um, and I I would like to think that I probably delivered it in a more suave uh, way uh but a lot of the things that i delivered even sometimes you know standing next to my dad where it's like you know look he's taking me seriously right like can you guys take me seriously uh what wasn't well received so um i totally understand that but i would like to hear from norbert with uh regards to uh you know how you feel about what danny just spoke about before he hopped off uh and and, and whether or not you think that those um uh, bullet points and those main uh, foci and, and pillars are, are what we need to contain uh, continue these traditions and maintain.
4: No, I agree with the points that you made, and it, it touches across any kind of organization, club, dance group, what have you. Um, you know, it shouldn't matter the age that you decide to participate or choose to participate, it shouldn't matter uh, your background. I mean, one of the things I know we touched on the other night. Um, You know, language, I I do feel is important personally, but I mean, when you look at my nephews, Portuguese is not even, I mean, they can barely say a few words. They understand my my grandparents talking to my my parents about it. But with that, there needs to be some more inclusivity period. You know, let's look at our generations. There's more mixed marriages. There's more uh, marriages outside of of your, of our backgrounds of our nationalities out of our, outside of our religions. Some people have went, gone to different religions. Some people just choose to not even, uh, you know, be participating in the old fashioned traditions of the Portuguese. But then there are those who, they come with their mindset saying, oh, I can't be a part of this because my mom was Hispanic and my dad's only half Portuguese, but I want, I would love to be a part of it. So why would they be denied? they still have a portion where they want to, they want to recognize they want to be a part of a group. They want to be a part of a celebration organization. They want to learn more. So why limit that, you know? Or, um, you know, I've seen when it comes to kids where they're children of divorce, they feel all of a sudden they're somewhat ostracized in some point because, you know, your parents are not together anymore. What does that matter? Um, it, 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 I mean, it, it, it can go all over the place. I mean, gender, sexual orientation, uh, religion, a lot of things come into play. But your background, your nationality, your, your, um, your origins will not change. So why shouldn't there not be any inclusion of those folks? Um, and again, I've always said this, there's always that fine line of trying to make things work. You know, I've seen the clicks, there are some of those clicks, where it's just because they're just almost like the bad boys, the bad girls clubs kind of against one another. And then some stranger wants to come in, they, they kind of push you aside. And I think uh, Zach brought that up too. And him and I are in the same region of California. And we, I, I, I don't want to speak for him, but we see it. Sometimes it's what little city or town you're in or what island your, your family's from, what Freixia, you know, all of a sudden it becomes a little click. And sometimes competition, I mean, we've seen organizations, small towns where they now have multiple festas because one group didn't like what the other group wanted to do or her say. So they say, you know, screw it. We're going to start our own club. I mean, there's one uh, city here in uh, Manteca where they have two halls and it was like the, the rich hall and the poor hall. And it's because there was the click that they come from money or they thought they came for money, they had the clique, as more of the traditionals, so it became the, known as the which is stupid, but it is what it is now. And, but what's gonna happen is, then you're gonna have those two groups, they're gonna build a point where they're not gonna be enough involvement, are you gonna have to combine yourselves again? And even if it's not the same city in small communities, we have small rural communities in here that have their own celebrations, but if the participants is not there, are we gonna have to come and join together? You know, there, there's there's a lot of questions. And then you have the destination celebrations where once a year, everybody's there, but then after that, it's done. You know, Pismo Beach is one of them, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, no, I totally, I totally understand that. Um, we have a couple of questions. Um, so are there any examples of when a hall or a group or a Philharmonic embraced young people into their organization, be it for, in a general sense, um, or for a specific initiative? Um, and I'm curious to know if either of the three of you, any of the three of you have an example of this where it worked out and where their suggestions actually worked out for the better.
5: Actually, uh, I want to say that there's one one perfect example of this is Palkus itself. Palkus recently created the group NextGen, which is an incredible group led by Jordan Thomas. It's young Portuguese-Americans from all across the United States. And every time I get an update from Jordan or I see someone mention something in our Slack feed, it's, oh, have you heard of this singer? What's your favorite sports team? What's What island are you from? All of us coming together to for one cause, one same cause, we're all Portuguese. We're all sharing the love for our background of our history. That's one way an organization came together, created something for the younger generation to connect with, and it's a great great thing to utilize for us to be able to use to help out with getting more people involved if we get these younger oops sorry my things kind of there we are okay by utilizing next gen caucus has just opened up a whole new field of holding more conferences for these kids to learn about what's going on in their area By teaching these people on this, by teaching the next-gen members about the traditions, the history of the groups, they can then themselves go in and share with their classmates or their community members on, oh, hey, I'm part of this great group. Why don't you join? Because there's no issues. Everyone's together. It's very inclusive. It doesn't matter what race, sex, as long as you're Portuguese, it doesn't matter what race, sex, age. You are just a person that's a Portuguese American. Join us, celebrate with us, and we're more than happy to share our history and our love for our culture. So that's just one great example of an organization coming in and making something for the younger generation.
0: Okay, so I swear that this wasn't paid advertisement for Pelkis, despite this being a <laughs> webinar, but thank you, Zachary. Uh, yeah, we're, we're quite excited about the 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 new involvement uh, based on the Next Gen uh, Academy uh, run by our director, Jordan, who is currently in Connecticut. So, um, Catherine, I did have a question for you. Do you specifically have any advice for the older and younger generation?
2: This is a trick question. I struggle with this, um, ha- like I said, having led the group for so many years and trying to keep it going. The only thing I can try to tell people who want to get younger and older, even college age students involved or back into these types of environments, whether it be through the band or the dance group, um, even through these peer leadership groups, um, peer pressure is powerful. So if you can get one or two person on board and educate them and get them involved, it's contagious. Um, also knowledge, knowledge is power. So getting the word out there trying as hard as you can over and over and over again announcing these events these groups the need for participation the way to get educated the way to learn um, hey there's band practice join us it's free or you you know like just knowledge education and peer pressure like i said not in a bad way just say you get this one kid who's really interested or i happen i do this with my brother-in-law actually he loves to dance he's been dancing since he was a kid and i'm like Jason, I'm gonna start it up again. And he's like, oh, and I'm like, no, no, come on. I just need you to start. And the minute he gets back in, I get like two or three of his friends to come back because they're like, Jason's doing it, he'll come. And then eventually it's contagious. And the group, I mean, at one point I had 16 pairs and it's all about making it a positive, healthy environment, free from judgment, Um, open door policy. I always had an open door policy. Um, and honestly, for me, it doesn't matter that you're Portuguese or not. If you're willing to learn about the Portuguese culture and be proud to represent our culture, I want you. Um, you know, I actually recently uh, went on an anniversary weekend getaway near Stonington, Connecticut, and I fell upon the Stonington Portuguese Club. And my husband and I walked in, and I was flabbergasted. Not a single person spoke Portuguese, none of the directors were Portuguese. And anyone you spoke to couldn't speak to you in Portuguese. (laughs) And I was mind blown, but here is a hundred year old club, hundred years old, that is still standing strong with probably more members in my club in Danbury here, the, the Portuguese center in Danbury. And people were proud to be a part or a member of that organization because they believed in what it stood for. They loved the culture and the heritage and, The room was full of people having a great time of all ages. I mean, there were young people, old people, middle-aged people, and they were talking about the festival happening that night, and people were just hanging out waiting for the night to come. And I was mind blown. I was like, this is my state. I had no idea this existed. Again, knowledge is power, right? Um, There is social media can connect us so quickly to all these younger generation, and if they start to see pictures of people their age in this group, they're going to come back. I can't tell you how many friends I've had who have married people they met in the dance group. You know, they, they started as young kids. They left for a little bit during high school or maybe college. And then they come back for reasons like myself. Like, I want my kids to learn the culture. I want them to learn the dances. I want them to know about all the good times that we had growing up in the dance group. Um, a lot of it is forced, you know, people forcing their kids to learn the culture. And a lot of it has to come with, hey, I'm doing this on Sunday at 630. You want to come with me? Just give it a try, come watch. And then they start watching and then they join us eventually. So for me, I think it's unity, education, acknowledging um, that people need to know about things in order to be a part of things, and being open minded. You know, the struggle is real. When a young person comes in and has ideas, we need to encourage them, educate them on why it hasn't worked out in the past or how they could take it slow to meet that goal. Um, I- I've been fortunate to witness both ends of the spectrum. I've seen unity, I've seen local clubs come together and talk about how they can help each other out, how to make things better. But I've also seen the bitterness and the angering, my club's better than yours. Our center was built off of two Portuguese clubs that united back in 2001. And, uh, you know, we struggle to this day, 20 years later. Um, We're still here, the foundation is still strong. Do I worry about its collapse? Like everyone else, I worry about that every year because I think about my daughter should be dancing already. Um, and I want her to be a part of that. And if she doesn't want to be a part of the culture that of that culture, she can be in the band or go play soccer. There's so many things available. There's a library in our center. Again, no one to manage it and keep it going. that's that's the uh, biggest problem, volunteers and encouraging them and making them understand that it's not so cumbersome. I still, um, you know, help people. Years later, they'll come and go, Kathy, you created this book on how to handle the picnics. Do you know where that is? And I said, I don't, but I have it on digital file. That's the modernization that I brought to the group or to the center. I like to think that that's how I contributed the modern newbie way of handling things. But I was very receptive and, ho- and I have to be receptive to the old school mentality too. They'd say, you know, the kids don't have anything like um, Norbert saying, the kids don't have anything or Zachary as well to, to keep them there. During after mass and lunch, what is there to keep people there until the dance starts at night? Um, and unfortunately, unless you keep these things alive—the bands and the honey shoes—and um, we have, you know, children's games—the person retired and went to Portugal. Is anybody going to continue those traditions? Um, and they probably would if we just had somebody to say, "I'll teach you. I'll show you where all the stuff is. Let me educate you. Make it easier."
0: So I want to wrap up with a question because I feel like one of the common themes is. Uh, And we've all experienced it uh, on some level uh, with the older generation perhaps not being as receptive as they should, uh, be it because they're just older and set in their ways, or because they're older and already have their established cliques, right? And so for one reason or another, new people, younger people, just people that can keep these traditions alive um, are not able to kind of break the ice, really. I know for me, in my experience, part of the reason why I wasn't able to break the ice, be it because it was, this is how we've always done it, or you're just young and you're a woman, um, was because I didn't feel at the age that I was, which was in my early to mid twenties. um, And and having had a familial history uh, of involvement where everybody kind of just saw me as an attachment of, or an extension of my, my parents, right? Um, I didn't feel like I could actually speak up um, even in a respectful way, right? So I would like to hear from each of you if you had the opportunity when you were having issues wanting to establish yourself as somebody who wants to be involved with good ideas um, to speak to that older generation, you know, a, a table with five, I'm assuming and stereotyping old Portuguese men who have been at the head of a festa, at the head of a folklore group, at the head of you know uh, some sort of like uh, nonprofit organization or even just five old men that started a new initiative that was awesome, but God forbid a younger person wanted to come in and also be involved. What would you say to them and how would you approach them um, knowing what you know today and based on your past involvement? So we're gonna start this off with Norbert um, and and I would love to hear your perspective because I think about this all the time and I still to this day haven't quite figured out how to even really be comfortable, right? Uh, trying yeah. to be res- respectfully presenting my point of view, so.
4: Yeah, and I'm one of those where I just like say I, I tend to attract old souls. For some reason, I can have a conversation with an older person easily, no problem. And I think a lot of it has to do is I was always close to my grandparents, and, and and understanding traditions, and and I was always inquisitive. So my way of doing it, it was pretty much, I eased myself into it. At first, I showed my intentions were good in the sense of, I want to participate, I want to be involved, I want to, you know, take this fest and continue that on, and then start progressively bringing in new things. So that conversation started with, you know, everyone here at this table you know virtual to if you would we came from somewhere we began somewhere whether it is our gener, our ancestors crossed an an ocean they flew over here whether it's in the early 1900s or late 70s like in my case you know at some point we did and we evolved from what we grew up with so what's what's different now is we need to move on as well too we've changed with the times um, whether it's in a celebration or in our own lives altogether. So we have to continue changing with the times to keep moving forward. You know, little things like digital media that uh, Catherine touched on, you know, it's those little things. Um, when you start getting more in depth, more involved, you know, my part of the conversation was look, I can take care of this right now and handle it in a matter of minutes, whereas opposed to it used to take, you know, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a few hours, you know, let's move forward. So we start taking on some of these initiatives almost like so okay, here's what I can bring to the table, here's what we can do, and here's kind of how we can progress forward, is what makes a difference. And, and I still am said that come in, help, be a part of it, but also understand, know the history, learn from those folks, you know. Pick that brain from that older person that maybe has that recipe for philosophical in their head, you know, and then maybe write it down and continue it on. Pick the brain from that person who's making those thermos that. You may never make again because once they're gone, they, they have it in there. Just be understanding, and understand that sometimes you can't teach a dog, old dog new tricks, but you have to really try, and and then you can. Um, so it's gonna it's gonna be ever everlasting, ever going, and those conversations are gonna continue. And unfortunately, sometimes it's after someone has stepped back, or we've seen it in prison Beach when people have passed away unexpectedly. And that's when we want to try to jump in there and we want to try to you know get the conversation going before that
0: happens. So. great. That's awesome. Um so I know Zachary, you're you're I, I hate to say like if you could go back to when you were young because you're you're clearly the youngest one on this panel. But um if you could go back to a, a time where you felt as though you weren't able to speak as openly and as freely because the people you were speaking to were institutionalized, right, and older. Um, how would you present, uh, you know, your your need and your want for involvement and 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 sell it basically as a good thing? Like, not, I'm not trying to destroy you. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, knock you out of the club. I'm not, you know, how would you how would you do that so that things could happen and and continue to happen and people. Could you
5: need to be involved. So one of the things that growing up, thankfully, my dad and my uncles and y'all instilled in me is the whole: if you see something, do something." And even if you're not going to have support in the beginning, don't let that discourage you. Try, and then once you've done it, showcase that it can be done. One of the things that I always tell people when they come in to the high, to the high school students is if you can think of something and you want to present it, get your friends involved, get, build a community, build a support group. That way when it's time to present what you're wanting to get done. One of the things that I see is that when it's just one person going before a group of older people, that older crowd kind of already dismisses the idea. Some do already because it's just one person and that can kind of hurt that one person's idea of, oh, well, they're already prejudging. I know it's one person. What can I do? Well, one person can start a big change and get others to follow. If you, instead of going right ahead get three of your friends that also share the same idea and same support, for what you're trying to do, have them come with you. That way, when you're going into this meeting or going before this group, you can say, hey, I already have this group of men and women here with me that want to help get this done. We believe in it, we want your support, we wanna work with you so we can continue moving forward. We just wanna learn and be helpful and see how we can have both the older and younger generation come together. With my work in the communities that I support with the library, it can be very scary. Even with my age now, I still get kind of nervous sometimes because it can be just me in a room of, 10 people, 50, 60 and up that I've never met before, don't know if they know who I am. And it can be nerve-wracking because you're trying to do something, even though you're trying to do something good, it's still that thing of growing up where oh, this is a new environment, this is a new way of going about things. So it's just helping educate younger kids into it's not don't be afraid to ask for help for one and two. Building a support group beforehand is always a great way of going forward. It doesn't hurt to go before them. And Gustine, I can speak from experience, our GPS hall, the Gustine Pentecost Society here in Gustine. I talked to them very I had talked to them very little before the pandemic. During COVID, a friend of mine and I spoke to them, first time both of us meeting each other and they gladly open their doors for us younger people to help out with uh, food distribution. So that's the older and the younger group coming together for a great cause. And it's just helping introduce that saying, hey, if this can be done, you can do it too. It's just having to help them get over that fear of just because they're older than you doesn't mean they're gonna automatically assume you don't know anything but also helping teach the old generation that we're not all the same. We're not trying to take and grab and steal away from them what they've been working on for so many years. We want to be a part of it because we love our community. We love our culture. We love our traditions. Just helping branch those two together
0: that's that's uh that's some great advice to uh our younger selves if we could go back in time and to young people who are looking to possibly break through uh you know the 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 mold the traditional mold of uh you know older people uh being at the head of all of these traditions Catherine if I can have you just briefly uh it seems like you and I had kind of similar experiences and so. I could have you briefly just talk tell us about you know what you would say or what you would tell your younger self to say to those older people that might have seen us as uh, you know uh, just a kid. We needed somebody to put on the list for the board and things like that.
2: So I was fortunate to have a good mentor. Um, I had a couple of good mentors in the Portuguese community who really believe in the Portuguese community. One of them has since passed, who just always encouraged me and pushed me to not disregard everyone's concerns, but to realize that you're in the positions of power, so to speak. You've chosen to head this group that no one else has chosen to head or no one volunteered to run the special events committee. Nobody stepped up to be the president of the group. You're gonna hear negative thoughts. You're gonna hear negative vibes. Connect yourself and ally yourself with somebody who had a positive experience so that they can encourage you and keep you on the right track. One of the things that was helpful to me um, whenever I, and I'm first, fe- well, I was the second female president who took over the first female president's position of the club. So I met many men who were against a woman being in charge of a Portuguese mentality, uh, Portuguese-based upbringing, right? When you grew up, mostly men were ahead of the organization. Mostly men were in the board of directors. Mostly men ran these organizations. The Reixos and the bands, it was all men. So I was already meeting resistance because not only was I a woman coming in, I was a young woman coming in who had no experience in their head. So one of the best pieces of advice I ever had when I met someone with friction was invite those people in. If they have that much conflict or that passionate about a topic, bring them in on your meetings, let their voices be heard, take into consideration some of the concerns or things that they're bringing to light. And that will actually help you get that enemy as an ally. Um, In many of my situations where I whether I moved the party tent from the parking lot to the grass or the grass, to the parking lot, I went from a 10 by 20 tent to a 20 by 30 tent. I met resistance everywhere. Anything I did, um, even with the dance group, it was like, I will get you guys to Florida. If we can get through these three performances or I can get, you know, eight pairs, the people showed up. I had to deliver, you know, I had to make it happen. And by making it happen, I was at 16 pairs by the time we went to Florida Um, You know, you need to give them something to reach for. You need a positive vibe, positive energy. You also need a positive mentor. Um, And the best way I can advise anyone that was my age coming in or wanting to get involved. You're always going to meet people who want to take you down. Um, There are always people who want to point out the flaws in you and not the positive. That's life. Um, And anything that you do, you're always going to have the bad guy come and go and you're not good enough and you're not gonna be able to accomplish this. And the only advice I can give those people is remember why you chose to get involved. Um, Remember that passion you had when you first got involved and don't lose sight of that. You know, My goal is to start the group back up next year. Everyone laughs at me, Um, but I want my kids to learn the tradition and learn the steps. So if it's just the three of us in the dance room come February, 2020, I'll be there. And I'm gonna do everything I can to put out that positive vibe, come join me, have a great time. Here's how you can join. Um, here's memories of things that we've done in the past and how we can be there again. And hopefully people will follow.
0: That's that's quite encouraging. It's also a testament to how, um, how time has kind of stopped because you referenced February, 2020. Um, so literally we've lost two years. <laughs> with have lost pandemic. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think this has been a very uh, productive conversation I hope that uh, you our panelists uh, feel the same way. I want to thank you guys for participating um, I also want to thank everybody uh, who is watching us live on Facebook for now for watching. If you felt that this um, webinar uh, was useful and informative uh, I ask that you uh, check out the entire series of webinars uh, they'll all be posted on Facebook, uh, podcast channel, YouTube, uh, and, you know, Palkus is a nonprofit, so uh, your support as members uh, will help us uh, continue to do what we do, uh, and membership starts at just $50 a year. So, uh, join Palkus if you're not already a member and you're watching and you think this was great, and thank you to our panelists, and I hope uh, that we can uh, meet again and, and, and have more discussions about how to continue the Portuguese uh, uh, traditions and cultures. Thank you, everybody. Thank
4: you very much.
0: Thank Thank you for having us.